Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Trucks After Dark, your favorite podcast about the Ole Miss Rebels. I'm your host, Justin Sanders. Got John Stefanczyk with me. We're going to be talking Ole Miss baseball. Uh, suffered the first series loss at Mississippi State. Saved a game uh, in game two there. Bounced back yesterday on uh, Tuesday, April 10th. Got a big 11-3 win over Southern Miss in Pearl. Uh, we're going to talk about upcoming series against Vanderbilt, some other news, some some football recruiting, some general football drama, stuff like that. We'll get into all of that, but it is uh, Wednesday, April 11th, and like I said, I'm Justin Sanders. John, what's up, buddy? How you doing? We're doing good. Recording on a Wednesday here, just talking about mm-hmm. how this week. Yeah, I was traveling, so kind of messed up our schedule. We weren't able to record on Monday, and then... Um, Yesterday, with the the Southern game going down and all of that, figured it'd be best to see how that all shook out. Because really, the difference in one and three in that stretch of state series and Southern and two and two is pretty big, especially with the second one being over Southern, who's still ranked really highly. They were like 14th, I think. Ole Miss sweeps uh, the the season series against them. So, I mean, pretty impressive bounce back after what we're going to talk about was a, a pretty disappointing weekend but again like we were saying before the show that's baseball right i mean these things happen well the alumni association comes out with this mississippi made t-shirt and then they go and lose the series to uh how dare they they're copying our mississippi paid shirts they're saying that everybody is mississippi made like i think the message is old miss makes you mississippi made regardless of where you're from i think that's what they're going for and i will I will briefly be as a native Texan. Everybody from Dallas and Houston and out of state has got to be sitting here going, really? <laughs> like, I don't think, no offense, Sandy, I don't think miss, being becoming a Mississippian is the most appealing thing to the average Joe. Oh, Ooh, that was a dirty take. What are you watching? Yankees, Red Sox. Mm. We had a dirty takeout that cleared the benches. Ooh, fun. Okay, so to your point, uh, we're taking it back. We're reclaiming the stereotype of Mississippi as being shitty. Uh, it's Mississippi is cool now. Oh, that's that's what we're doing. It's not like, oh my god, I have to beat that. You know, it's just kind of, you know, I mean, I is there any difference yeah. between like a native Iowan? You know, I mean, I guess you can get you know big corn in both well, places. Iowa made. I mean, that's its, yeah. it's its own thing. I don't know. I mean, what I will say about it is, it, I feel like the people that are from Mississippi are totally cool with it and the other people don't like it so much. I don't know. You take whatever you want from that, but that's pretty much what I noticed. Um, I guess it's just kind of a pride thing or whatever. Obviously Mississippi has a lot to be ashamed of uh, in its past and in its present. I mean, 50th is um, pretty much the standard rank for any type of national ranking when it comes to Mississippi. Um, but I guess, I guess Mississippi guys like it because it makes it seem like we have stuff to be proud of, whether we really do or not. 
I don't really know. I've said from the beginning, I don't, I don't mind it, especially if it works. Uh, if Luke has a complete flop of a class and with the Mississippi recruits that are currently in this upcoming senior class with the fact that Ole Miss is right now ranked highly, despite having kind of a low average star ranking. I mean, definitely padding out the class at this moment. Uh, but despite all that, or, or I mean, not in spite of that, but because of that, I think a flop of a recruiting class for Luke in 19 would probably be, you know, 20 to 30. Even that would be kind of the letdown. So if that's what happens, then yeah, whatever. I, I'm out on Mississippi made, I guess. But if for some somehow it works and, you know, they, they get a top 10 class, it doesn't bother me at all. I don't know. Plus, you brought up Luke. I want to touch on touch on this real quick. It was a good old boy hire. The fan base seems luke lukewarm. I guess pun intended. I think there. warming up. I think well, warming up with the recruiting curve. Um, we'll talk about how the spring game was a was poorly planned here in a second. Luke, for the most part, has continued to do a good job, though. We can argue that well, why is Maurice Harris still on the staff? I don't know. Like we'll put that topic to the side. Well, next time we bring Paul back on, we'll we'll get into it with him. But we've we've definitely floated some theories on this show. Who who really knows? I think it's truly a mystery. Who knows? But he has done a good job. He has exceeded expectations recruiting wise since he got the full time gig. Mm-hmm. Both with I think overall with the way he finished 18's class. And now he's got them top five in the country, depending on which service you use. Number one, yeah, I believe. Yeah, number one on the composite, yeah. That, in of itself, I mean, he, he, now he's got the Jackson Prep kid that's going to go play baseball. Right, right. The one, the one black may or may not even qualify. But who cares right now? That is – Hey, he's two. trying to build momentum, I think, right? I mean, that's what's most he's important right now. And now we're talking. He can talk about that as opposed to coming off all these sanctions, winning program. No, we're a top five program now. That this is behind us. Freeze has a Ole Miss under Freeze built a perception to be able to recruit pretty well. So, especially I mean, they had the thirteen and the sixteen classes. Long story short. He's, he's doing a pretty good job changing the air. He, he can go in a living room with a 17-year-old kid right now, 16, 17-year-old kid, and put and put an accurate story together. There's enough NFL presence to say, hey, you'll get to the league. Plus, the reality is, is you can get to the league from anywhere these days. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it doesn't re- really matter where you go. I wonder, thinking out loud here, how much is Alabama stranglehold? Because right now they have this perception of being a, a factory to the league. Is that going to continue and strengthen, stay the same, or weaken over the next two or three years? They've lost their number one recruiting class ranking in part because you got Kirby Smart in Georgia mm-hmm. up and running here. But we'll see. We'll see where. I, it goes. I mean, so obviously that is a compelling pitch to a high school kid, right? They they all want to get paid. They want to make it to the league, but. I think it's kind of unfair, maybe not unfair, but just dishonest to act like that's the only thing that Alabama does right in recruiting. I mean, by all accounts, Alabama has one of the best, if not the best, and like you said, Kirby is kind of pushing for that now, but um, let's call it a recruiting machine. Let's say they know how to get things done that may or may... tremendous infrastructure. Yes, may or may not, but certainly are are not like uh, technically legal, I would say, under NCAA bylaws. Um, and the most important thing is they know how to do it without getting caught. They're very effective at it. 
Uh, so I guess the the real the real question to me is is that ever going to be affected while Saban's still the head coach there, and, and will the next head coach inherit it? Which I think is definitely probably the Red Elephant Club uh, goal. That's you know their the, their group of high power boosters or whatever. Whether or not they're directly involved, whether or not you know they pass it off to middlemen, lesser lesser bagmen types. I don't really know. Um, I know car dealerships are heavily implicated in this whole system. All that stuff. I don't know, but to me, that's going to be the biggest factor. And if Alabama continues to put guys in the league more than perception about Kirby and all that stuff, I think Georgia and Alabama both are probably going to be NFL factories for the foreseeable future. Yep, and they should be because football. I mean, what about popular. what about Miami? They're, they're about to put a bunch of players in the league under Rick. It seems like it this class and last class. They should. I mean, there's and they always have, right? Even under Al Golden, you know, they were they were getting ten guys drafted off the teams that were going six and six. Yep, this should, talent's never been the issue down there. Yeah, Florida is such a fertile recruiting ground. Um, spring yeah. game, spring yeah. game had thirty five people at it. Now Luke got the game done in like an hour and fifteen minutes. The so. real problem wasn't that there were thirty five people there; it's that enemy of the Rebs, Paris Offord, going to tweet out the picture of the stands. What are you doing, bro? Enemy of the Rebs. What are you doing, bro? Just no one needs to see that. Did you see? Uh, did you see the crowd yesterday at White or two days ago at White Sox opening day? No, I did not. It was legitimately twenty five people. Like it was. And that was like mid. It was like a, why would you go watch the White Sox this year? I mean, I'm not watching. Them. I'm not watching. I'm just saying it was in between innings. Like it wasn't even a pregame. And it's just like oof. I mean, they did have to move like two feet of snow off the field or something. But still, man, that's that's rough. Um, you know, it's MLB attendance day in and day out isn't their bread and butter. It's more about the TV contracts and the big games and then the the individual teams with their followings. And the White Sox are not one of those. But overall, Red Sox on big crowds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Cubs obviously. Have a huge following the last few but, years. And again, if you're nine and one, you're going to draw crowds, and you have the hated Yankees in town. Mm-hmm. So, but still, I mean, even even with some teams still having you know, great success when it comes to attendance, and we talked about this on the show, although it's been a while, um, the trend is going to continue of less and less declining attendance at at, uh, at these live sporting events, assuming. They don't continue adding more amenities to make it even better. I mean, I think at the very least, ticket prices are going to have to come down in the next 10 or 20 years to get people motivated to leave their house to actually watch these games, especially here in the next five years where, you know, VR sports and watching uh, quote-unquote courtside or, you know, from the 50-yard line on the sideline, those kind of vantage points are going to be readily available for, you know, a fraction of what you would pay to actually have those tickets. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that changes the the live sports ticket market and all of that. And I think it's going to be here sooner rather than later, so we'll see. You've got to have a unique differentiator to the experience. Mm-hmm. And for all this, it's the Grove, right, in football. Yeah, the Grove, you have that, although it's – You know you know what I will say about the spring game, John? I, I assume you saw the picture. Like, I, the, the stadium looks damn good. The the bowl looks great. Like, it just from the inside of the stadium – It looks much better. Now, here's the – It here's looks so much key. better from inside. Never put an upper deck there. I don't think they'll ever be tempted to, but no, never do. I don't think they will. If you ever expand further, you put suites in the north end zone. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're good on, on numbers for a while. Like I don't think they need to add more seats. <laughs> I think they're already going this route. More premium seats, yeah. You're better off renovating your existing premium seats and getting more for that than and, you are. And add more cool stuff like the field-level suites and all of that. Um, you know, I think – 
I'm yeah. not a big fan of the field level because it doesn't fill out and look as good. Like, I'm fine with, like, the south end zone being half full because it's a way the hell up there. Who cares? Well, I think, I think part of the reason they moved the students to the south end zone was because I was hearing people didn't want to sit in the field level because they were getting drinks thrown on them by the students. So, uh, you know, I think what? it kind of all ties into itself. That makes it possible to have more premium seating in those lower areas when you when you move the students off to the end zone. Um. Okay, so let's see. We're talking recruiting. We mentioned you mentioned Jerry and Ely that's been committed for a while. You touched on one Black. He, uh, excuse me for mispronouncing his first name. Dewan, Dewan. I don't know. We'll get it down eventually. We have another what? Uh, ten, Mr. ten, eleven Mr. months. Black. Oh, Mr. Black. Mr. Black, highly rated safety out of Forest. Um, he's close with a former. They have a linebacker in this class. They committed someone, but I mean, I, I think he's unra- unrated right now. Some Mississippi kid. I'll go to the actual class. Oh, that should probably look. Good I think Jay Stanley was the guy's name that, that they're recruiting as a linebacker. Um, but I, I don't know that. All that to say, he was committed to state. He, I guess, flipped or decommitted for a month and then committed to Ole Miss. You know, he claims he has a lot of Ole Miss ties. I don't know. Like you mentioned. This question is if he's going to qualify. We were talking before the show. You know, he has two summers left and an entire senior year. Would not be surprising at all in today's football world for him to, to find a way to get eligible. I have no idea, you know, what kind of a hill he has to climb there. And really nobody should, you know, federal law and FERPA and all of that. You know, when you see people on message boards talking about their intimate knowledge of a recruit's academic standing, there's a, there's a good chance they have no idea what they're talking about. And if they do, you know, that would be illegal. But whatever. Um, also of note, Allen, Texas QB Grant Tisdale commits. He's a four-star, uh, I think a dual-threat guy, 6'1", 204. Excited about that. He's going to be the QB of the class. Uh, what's really exciting. A, I just realized he's a four-star. Yeah. Phil Longo, hang on. I'm, I'm going to. Yeah, go ahead. Go off on Longo getting it done. Phil Longo has gotten the job done, period. From a recruit, he's done a hell of a job recruiting here. What will be interesting to see is how does his offense evolve in year two of SEC ball. Really, he ran a pretty damn good offense last year. I mean, it wasn't perfect at the time. I think it got better as the year went on. I'm curious to see how it evolves. Yeah, I want to see it in year two for sure. Does he tweak? Does he add? Does he maybe maybe he runs 35 plays? We'll see how this, <laughs> how it goes. I, I have zero problem with them only running like 30 plays. Yeah, because keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple and execute it. You'll win. You can win eight games. Like that's that's what Ole Miss ought to do. But, but you're talking about his QB recruiting, right? Yeah, he's gone out and gotten some dudes. Corral yeah. threw two picks in the spring. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Who cares? I didn't even watch, so I don't know. Although I, I think a lot of people probably weren't planning on watching the spring game and ended up watching it because it uh, coincided with Ole Miss getting like blown out in game one of the doubleheader in Starkville where Brady Feigl, who's you know known for his uh, mental struggles perhaps, just let a bad start really, really get away from him. Uh, not not Mike's best strategic move to switch up the lineup on the same day. He was moving hey, Feigl to Friday. If, uh... Rawlson went out there and pitched seven good He innings. did. He did. I'm sorry. Okay. I don't. We, let's wait. Let's wait. Because I wanted to say one thing about Tisdale before. It's my fault. I did that. But my whole point is I think the spring game had a few more viewers because of that. But uh, the big thing about Tisdale is he's from Allen High School, which is where Greg Little's from. It's where Jalen Jones is from. It's a football factory. Uh, and keeping that pipeline open uh, into, you know, from Freeze to Luke, I think is huge. Um, I think that's a great sign for the future of recruiting Texas and. I'm really excited about that. 
here's a question, John, while we're still on recruiting before we move on to baseball. Um, yep. and, and also on recruiting, we should probably mention Lloyd Murray, who uh, committed to Ole Miss last week, decommitted like five days later, recommitted a couple days after that. Uh, so we already got a fun uh, drama queen in the class. Excited about that. Um, but all that to say, uh, I forgot what I was going to say about recruiting, John. I'm sorry. I got distracted when I saw Lloyd Murray on this list. But um, you were you weren't too far from Wichita Falls, Texas, this past weekend. You can. I kinda... wasn't West Texas, yeah. So I could, yeah, I could, I could pick up on that. You can I, that's why. That's why he recommitted was because maybe I stopped by, you know, yeah. paid him a visit. He said he wasn't getting the love. I showed him a little bit of love. You know, no, it's going to be great when he becomes Mississippi made. Exactly. Exactly right. Um, dang, completely slipped my mind what I was saying. Oh, oh, I remember now. I remember now. So I'm looking through this class. We talked about number one class in the composite. That's because they have four, five, six more recruits in the next biggest class. They're padding it out with low-rated guys. What do you make of Yancey Porter posting on his message board that Ole Miss was planning to commit a lot of lower-ranked guys to keep up recruiting uh, momentum and then basically drop them later, not have them in the final class? Of course, that message instantly got screenshotted, passed around Mississippi State Twitter, uh, being any recruit talking about Ole Miss, you can see in the replies to his tweet, they got that screenshot. I mean, it's classic Yancey. How much of that do we think is true? How much of this is he just he screwed up by saying it? Basically, you know, it's probably an unspoken thing. Is that what we think is going on with this class right now? I mean, I'm sure they would like to get higher rated guys. Are we going to end up with all these three stars? I really don't know. I think Matt Luke and his staff are quietly just like, Yancey, go, go over there in the corner. He didn't have a clue what's going on. And, that, and, and if that's true, then that's been a trend for a while because Yancey really had no idea what's happened under Freeze either. He was pretty much just speculating. I think it's, he, he has even less. So, that's, so if that's the truth, that's even more frustrating because at least if he's reporting something he shouldn't be reporting, it's not just his fault. It's also the coach's fault for employing that strategy and letting him know that. If he's just saying that out of his ass and it's being used to hurt Ole Miss recruiting, well, that's Yancey, huh? I, I, don't, I don't put much stock in it. In the age of Trump, we, we're in the – there's fake news every day. In like, the age of MSU POTUS. In the age of Bulldog MS, Trump. MSU POTUS. Is, so is Duty Noble supposed to be complete next year? Yeah, something like that. It's definitely not complete right now. What do we, yeah, let's, let's talk about baseball. What do you make about all this cutesy stuff they added in, all the weird walls and the – you know, the – the turf around the plate. I mean, a lot of people say that these things are designed to give them an artificial home field advantage because their guys are used to the weird they bounces. Can do whatever they, they can do whatever the hell they want. Yeah, but is it is it it's a free country? You're right. It's a free country. Absolutely. All right. So, what do you think of the stadium then? How do you think it looked? I mean, better than that. I mean, they, they basically played in a trailer park before. Yeah. Let's, let's call it what it was. It looks unfinished. Maybe it'll be really nice next year, but the whole I'll fact that... The year. I think the idea you can have really good sight lines across the facility is good. But there's, the stuff. sight lines are terrible. That was the worst camera work I've seen in any SEC stadium in well, years. The stuck, but I think from a fan standpoint, this yeah, never... maybe so. I, I like the uh, I like the big entrance down the right field line. You know what I'm talking think, about? That's kind of cool. I, I mean, the walls in the corner are stupid, but, yeah. I mean, uh, honestly, you know what? I really have no problem if the park's quirky and kind of gets in people's heads. 
Right. I mean, that's, I think, probably what they're going for. I think it, because it doesn't, Kentucky is too quirky. Because that wall, the right field wall being 280, I think they're getting rid of that. Oh, yeah, but they should, yeah. They That's too quirky. Because then your team gets used to. Right. Yeah. And then you go on the road and you absolutely the corners suck. being weird. You're used to it. The other team, it's just something for that team to complain about. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, Swayze's the most basic field you'll yeah, ever play. It's cracker jack. It's very, it's very standard. It's, it's basically a mini version of the field they played on last night in Pearl. Off the rack, which for Ole Miss is an appropriate stadium to play in. So what'd you say? Say it again. So it's like a polo shirt off the rack. You know? Yeah. No, that's yeah, that's very true. The Ole Miss stadium is like the uh, I'm trying to think what color polo. Like it's just like a nice blue, like navy blue polo with like a red horse. Super red. Yeah. Yeah, it's very standard. Like I was saying, it's pretty much just a miniature version of the park they played in last night in Pearl. Um, it's 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 very standard. Uh, all that to say, whatever you know, voodoo. They're they're working out in that new stadium, that incomplete stadium with the upper deck with like a third of the seats installed, like randomly. Uh, it, it worked against Ole Miss. I mean, when they lost the first game, like thirteen to three or something like that. We talked about how it kind of got away from Feigl. There were some defensive errors. Uh, basically state found a whole bunch of holes. I mean, they had a blooper fall down the left field line for like three runs. I mean, it's, it's baseball. I'm, I'm not going to say they didn't win the series. So I take that away from them. Congratulations. At the same time, there's a reason that in baseball, you look at averages, you look at ERAs. It's about consistency, consistency throughout the season. You know, you're not going to say a guy that goes four for four on a Friday is better than a guy that goes, um, you know, 300 throughout the year. It's just, it's not about one weekend, I mean, any of that. It's about how you can bounce back after stuff like this. Like I said, Ole Miss does bounce back pretty well in this instance, at least against Southern Miss, gets the big win last night. Um, honestly, the way they played last night in Pearl behind Houston Roth pitching, they got some great performances out of guys like Chiaffi, Austin Miller, um, guys that we want to see. And it's really, it was really nice of Austin to – take time out of his you know pitching practice to be a guest on our show every now and then um, we really appreciate that um, but basically these are guys that haven't really gotten a chance to pitch in big innings and after the way will Stokes uh, pretty much lost game three for old miss just like everybody knew he was going to when he entered in a high stress situation you know what, you know what? picking on will Stokes is really easy that pick often- on pick on Bianco pick on Bianco for putting him in that situation uh, Stokes should not be in there runs the offense should have scored 10 that's runs. that's fine that's fine you still have like- to Four, like they threw away at least two bases loaded situations. Absolutely, but you have to look at every coaching decision in a vacuum and putting Stokes in there when you had guys like Miller, Chiaffi, Fowler available uh, was a complete mistake. And Bianco needs to needs to remember that next time. And Stokes should be a middle relief guy. He does not have it. He doesn't have the stuff to get you through a high stress inning with a game on the line, especially not in the SEC. Pitch him in the no. midweek, that's fine. I mean, it, it's. I mean, do you disagree with that? Say what you will about the offense. Stokes shouldn't have been in a situation to give up the game winning homer in Game Three. I agree. Okay, so what I'm saying is, guys like Miller, Chiaffi, hopefully we're going to see them more on the weekend. But um, you know, you play State again in two weeks in the midweek in Trustmark Park in this park that plays like TD Ameritrade. It's a pitcher's park. Um, last night it was really good to Ole Miss. Uh, Cockrell's able to get a home run out to left field, which is really impressive. The first Ole Miss player to hit a home run there since 2010, I saw on Twitter. Uh, it's a big part. Cockrell's got a lot of juice in that bat, obviously. Um, basically what I'm saying is you're you're one and two against State on the season. You got a chance to even the series in the midweek. I think you have to feel good about your chances if you're Ole Miss because you're looking for revenge. You have the better midweek pitching. You have the better bullpen. 
you just beat a really good team in a pretty dominant fashion there two weeks earlier. Um, obviously, you're going to have me in the stands there to bring you good luck. I mean, I, I think if you're Ole Miss, yeah, it sucks to go 1-2 and two in Starkville. But I think you feel good about even in the series and going 2-2, two and two, clawing back a little bit of that uh, that lost RPI from losing to them. Um, basically, I'm excited. I'm excited for that midweek game against State. And I, I think they're going to be able to even the series up on the season. Yeah. What do you think they're going to do in Nashville this weekend? It's it's a good question. I mean, this is a this is a tough week for me. These are my two SEC teams, my two teams really. Um, obviously, I went to Ole Miss, been an Ole Miss fan for a few years now. Uh, my lovely girlfriend Angie, who's a medical student out in Lubbock, she went to Vanderbilt for undergrad. Uh, she's a huge Vanderbilt baseball fan, probably a bigger baseball fan than I am. Even uh, she sent us some notes on the team that we're going to talk about uh, to get a little back a little background for us. But um. You know, it's it's hard for me to, to, to cheer for Ole Miss that hard knowing that it means Vanderbilt's going to lose, but we'll see what happens in the series. I mean, to be honest, and, and don't don't invalidate my fan card too much, but I, I think I'm definitely hoping for no sweeps. Uh, you know, a 2-1 and one either way would be just fine with me. But, you know, it, it, I think most of you listening have no affiliation to Vanderbilt, so obviously you can hope for whatever you want to hope for. Um, some intel on the doors. They got strong starting pitchers. Uh, a young bullpen that can sometimes be a little shaky. Uh, the offense is also pretty young. They've had some injury problems. Um, not not always super consistent, but still, I mean, it's Vanderbilt. We know they recruit. We know the kind of program that Corbin has there year in and year out. Um, you know, they're, they're an Omaha team more years, or at least, you know, a, a very good contender to make it to Omaha more years than they aren't. Um, so I don't think you can ever go into Nashville and take it lightly. Um, let's see. We got Drake Fellows on Friday. He's uh, he's a good pitcher. Um, I think Raby is the game two guy. Mason Hickman on Sunday. Uh, Angie says Raby struggles with control sometimes. Uh, as far as hitters go. So Saturday could be anywhere with Feigl and this guy on the mound. Yeah, saying. probably. Yeah, we should mention that after the uh, the failed experiment in Starkville, uh, moving Feigl up. And then you mentioned how good Rollison was in game two of the doubleheader. He really did come out and lock it down. Um, which, you know, perhaps that's what Bianco was trying to get out of him by moving him to game two. But back to normal this week, you got Rollison, Feigl, MacArthur in the rotation. Um, yeah, I really don't know what's going to happen in game two. If Raby struggles with control, then we know Feigl can as well. That that, that could get interesting. Um, Angie says the best hitters are freshman Austin Martin and Philip Clark. Uh, Infante is a senior that's been really good throughout his career, but I think he's uh, he's in a slump, she says. She might not play. I was looking at their stats. J.J. Blade is leading them uh, in a lot of categories in average, and I think in home runs as well. Uh, but she says he got hurt in batting practice like a week ago, so he might not be in the lineup. Um, Kaiser is excellent defensive shortstop. She said Alonzo Jones is a really good base runner. He always steals second. So that's something to look out for him against uh, either Fortes or Cooper Johnson, probably more Fortes than Johnson back there, uh, that, that matchup. Um, although I bet they, they probably will catch Cooper Johnson in one of the three games because Fortes did just catch last night. And it seems like they're really trying to max Fortes out at three games behind the plate a week um, just to yep. kind of extend that longevity. Um, the power hitters are Scar- Scott and DeMarco. So that's my intel. I think there's something like 15 and 12 on the year, which is kind of the record kind of makes it seem like they've done worse than they have. Uh, they started out SEC play five and one. They swept state. They won the series against LSU. Uh, they had a tough road series uh, at Florida where they got swept, but they bounced back and won the series against Georgia this past weekend. Um, I mean, really, it's just it's Vanderbilt. You know, they're going to be really solid. It's going to be tough to play there. 
Um, the rankings, I guess, would give Ole Miss an edge, but I don't think you can necessarily take anything for granted playing against Tim Corbin. Uh, I think it'll be a good series. I think the Sunday games on uh, on TV starts pretty late at like 4 p.m. I'm not sure about Friday and Saturday. Obviously, at the worst, they'll be on SEC Network Plus, but I don't know about other stations. I think it's pretty even teams. If anything, Ole Miss maybe is maybe better. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they're we'll see. I think so, thus far, Ole Miss has the better offensive statistics. I'm sure both teams are really going to pitch it well. Um, I, I mean. Think- been focused after last week i mean they yeah that's the question right how are they going to respond to to going on the road and losing last week are they going to come out with a different mindset i don't know we'll see in a lot of ways or in some ways losing that losing that sunday game was probably a good thing quite honestly Mm -hmm. it it really it could have gone either way like you said the offense missed a lot of opportunities they had a lead uh going into the ninth inning thanks to a big eighth inning a lot of people talking about the game say, you know, that the, one of the big turning points was pitching to Jake Mangum in the ninth. I think he hit a double and tied the game up or something. I mean, I don't know. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Mangum was like four or four on the day, but he's he's one of the best leadoff guys in the league by far. I mean, he's he's a great hitter. He's really fast. I it's, I don't think going four for four or letting Mangum go four for four off you is necessarily an indictment of your pitching. It's really you got to work around him and get to those other guys. And Ole Miss didn't do that. Um, I forget who it was that hit the Luke Alexander. Maybe is the guy that hit the winning homer. I think he bats second. Um, you know, like I said, I've already said emphatically that Stokes shouldn't have been the guy in there at that time. Um, they put Caracy in too early again. They threw like fifty pitches, and and then still had to go to Stokes after that because it went to extras. I mean, I think Ole Miss has a lot of tools. Like I really want Bianco to start using Austin Miller, Tiafi, Fowler more. Um, cause I, I, I think that the upside outweighs the downside, uh, in that situation. And Austin Miller and Chaffee both, I think are, haven't given up a run in like 10 innings each. So, I mean, what's the harm in trying it, right? Why not? Yeah. Why not? Um, I, I think for me, the big question is how, how long are Ole Miss's starters going to, going to stay in these, in these games this weekend? When, when are Rollison and Feigl mm-hmm. going to show up and go, seven innings on Friday and five and two thirds on Saturday. Of like one, one Christian, run ball. Christian Trent, where's, where's Christian Trent? Where's he going to come from? You know, with the, uh, with this complete game to save the bullpen in game two, a lot of times, stuff like that. You know, that's what the 14 team had. When is that going? Um, when are those guys going to show up and really do that? Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm curious to see how Rollison pitches Friday after the, moving things around you know yeah and i think it's i think you're dead on to say that starters need to go deeper if they're truly elite starters than than those guys have at times this year at the same time you know the starters in 14 i it was a little bit less offensive at at that time you know there was the old balls uh it was the current bats i don't know i just wonder it's it's a hypothetical i wonder how much better the sec overall is hitting now and i could you can look at the statistics i could be way off yeah, that's a good question. It's a question. It's it's a possibility. I don't know. Um, I, I generally have a good. Fi- I mean, this team coming out and being focused and jumping all over Southern Tuesday. It's a good sign. Is a good sign. I mean, they they continue their best attribute continues to be their resilience, they play, mental toughness, they resilience. They didn't they didn't do a great job of playing twenty seven ounces this past weekend, but they came back mm-hmm. and did so. But it was it was cold and rainy. They had to play a doubleheader on Saturday. 
Well, they won a lot. They had a lot of come from behind wins and a lot of close games. Right, right. You, you can't always you can't always come back and win this. Um, and, and I mean, you know, they had to stay in Starkville. I mean, who 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 would be excited to play there? I don't know. I mean, I don't think anybody. Uh, especially especially with state being down this year, you know, it's easy to knock it up when you're playing a team that's gotten swept by Southern, and you know, I don't even know what their league record was, but this is their first SEC series win. Um, like I mentioned earlier in the show, the first or the first series that Ole Miss has lost all year, um, definitely not a pattern that they that they want to keep going. But Ole Miss obviously still in very good shape. Um, I'm gonna pull up the RPI here, but I I think uh, several teams Ole Miss has played and beat ranked in the top 25. I think John even Georgia State, uh, who Ole Miss swept in a midweek series. Uh, has snuck into some top 25. I think they were number 25 in the USA Today coaches poll. So if you can get teams like that, they were kind of forgettable games for us fans, but obviously Bianco knew what he was doing when he scheduled them. If they continue to do well, um, Arkansas beat Auburn, uh, and then maybe lost to Grambling last night. I know they were down late in the game, so that's kind of weird. It's, it's very strange that Arkansas offense can be One. so dominant on the weekends and then just completely shrivel up in midweek games. I mean, I think Vanderbilt's had... Um, some of those problems as well. I think a lot of the a lot of their losses have been um, in in the midweek, and they've played a lot better on the weekends. That's um, weird. Baseball's weird. Vanderbilt's twenty and thirteen. They've lost a few games. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. my gut says, my gut says they come out and they win this series. I think I think losing in Starkville really it could a, that could be what this team needed, right? Yeah. It strengthened their resolve. If they go in there, let's just, if they can go win the series, they're nine and six with three of the last five at home. They get a number six RPA Georgia team at home. I yeah. don't think Georgia's quite as good as they've been playing. No, I mean I think that they're probably not as good as that six RPI. But that's a great opportunity for Ole Miss to keep building they that national seed resume. LSU, which is this is not a vintage LSU team. They go to Carolina. Not a vintage Carol. I mean, not a vintage Carolina team. Those are, that's some chances for you to just stack up some league wins. Back, I mean, I I think I think they can get hot and really kick some ass the second half of the season. I think so too. Auburn's sitting at four and eight in the SEC. They got good pitching, but they're not Honestly, they're not he's, infallible. He's not to get swept this weekend, which I yeah would be surprised if we got swept. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they could even lose the series this weekend and still be in good shape on the back half of the of the SEC slate. But we'll see. Um, looking at the RPI, you got Florida at number one, Arkansas at number four, Georgia at number six, right above them, number five, Clemson. Georgia just beat them in the midweek last week. Ole Miss at number seven, Auburn at 11, A&M at 18, Kentucky at 19. They don't play Kentucky this year. Uh, Vandy at 26, Missouri, who they also don't play, is at 24, uh, Alabama at 34. Is Alabama on the schedule, John? Yep. Alabama's at 34. Um... Play everybody in your division, you rotate the LSU other. at 52. It's not often yeah. you see an LSU team sub not top 50 in the RPI. That's that's something. They're, they're average as hell. Yeah, Southern Miss at 55. Who Ole Miss has two wins over. Um, I expect them to creep back up. I mean, they're probably that, – that, that's probably a little low thanks to the fact they just lost to, to Ole Miss. But they have a really good team. They're really good in their league. So, um. South Carolina down to 66. Uh, Tennessee, who will miss one a series against to start the season at 61. To start the SEC season. Uh, State at 67. Definitely got buoyed some by winning the Ole Miss series. Um, basically, there's still a lot of opportunities, though. I mean, of that of that top 10, top 20, 
I think right now, if trends hold, I think the SEC gets two national seeds, Florida and Ole Miss. Who else do you see yeah. sneaking in that conversation, or do they just end up with Florida? I mean, I think Florida is a surefire national seed at this point. I agree. For Ole Miss, this weekend and next are key for national seeds. Mm-hmm. If they win the series against Georgia, who's going has a strong RPI, and if they go to Nashville and win the series, they've got the series win over Arkansas. They got the A&M series they're, win. They're, what, 21-1 and one right now? Non-con, I think the worst they can probably realistically do is twenty-four and two with uh, mm-hmm. losing the state. Well, state maybe. Oh, they probably come. They're probably focusing in state and they get three cupcakes. I mean, yeah, anything I, can happen. I, I, non-con strength strength of schedule is not that great, but they're going to win mm-hmm. probably. They're going to go minimum twenty-three and three, or worst case, and that's there. Mm-hmm. If they can get to night. they can get to nineteen SEC wins, they're right on the border Ooh. of it. That would, yeah, that that would be really nineteen and eleven is uh is a really good record. What and it, it kind of depends on where Arkansas is at. If Arkansas is like twenty one and nine, and they swept Kentucky, for example, and if Kentucky's mm-hmm. in them, we'll have to see. But, but see, the thing about Arkansas on a national seed, look at that non conference state the schedule one sixteen. Yet they're seventeen and five. I mean, I don't know if they continue to struggle in the midweek. I could see them that knocking them from a national seed to just a host. Do they get um? Ole Miss's top series are going to be Arkansas. Georgia appears to be strong. A and M, A and M, Vandy this weekend. Maybe but Auburn. Think, maybe Auburn. Auburn's going to be solid, but that's for, yeah, yeah. But but then they they have the strong road. Uh, where's where's where is Long Beach on this list? Let me look. Long Beach all the way at one twenty seven. Really need them. Really need them to come out of that somewhat. Um. If Ole Miss can go win to win the series this weekend and come back and take care of it, I mean, if they can win the series this weekend, they got a shot to get to 20, 20 conference wins. Mm-hmm. I think. I think. I mean, I, I think the – That would be huge. What's the floor for them right now? Uh – Probably 17, 16, yeah. I mean, the wheels could completely fall off. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. You know, who knows? The bullpen could get We haven't even mentioned Kessinger's Kessinger's hamstring injury is lingering. Um, Adams led off last night. Sir Video played shortstop. Uh, Chase Parham posted something about uh, how Kessinger's batting like sub-150 since the injury. I mean, that that could be a problem. I I think Jacob Adams is a great leadoff guy, but still, you don't want to lose your – you're very hot hitting, very good defensive shortstop. But I mean, Sir Video is good defensively. Maybe they can shuffle it around to make it work. But you don't really know what's going to happen. The, the wheels could fall off. But I, I think 16, 17, probably. The if everything holds. The to me would be this pitching stat, the, the bullpen getting tired. Because yeah. mm-hmm. the reality is the bullpen. Well, I've won a lot of games for Ole Miss. The bullpen, now you could have some you know, some midweek guys move into more. More defined weekend roles, but Stokes and Wolfolk have been subpar, which has really put more stress on Caracy, put more stress on Etheridge, Greer Holston. Yeah, Holston. And if you if you if it's just those three guys, they're going to start getting flamed out the second half of the year. Yeah, that's why we really need to work on some of these other. You have the depth. You got to just trust them. You got to give them a shot. Exactly. That's what they got. They got to find a fourth. 
and ideally a fifth guy they can reach. I'm looking at the polls. Um, Vanderbilt 15th and one, 16th and the other. Southern Miss at 15. Uh, I just want to retract. I don't know what the Georgia State. I was listening to David Kellum on the radio last night. Let's blame him. I thought he had said Georgia State 25th. I don't know. They're like 70-ish RPI. They're not in the polls. I don't know where that came from. So just to correct the record there, you know, this is a podcast that is first and foremost very concerned with accuracy. So I just couldn't let that couldn't let that stay out there. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, that's the baseball team. Maybe that, maybe one of those guys is Wolfolk. I mean, he could right return to form. And then there's, he's not going to be the closer, but can he be a solid? Can, you can, know, you know, it's not always the closer that has to get the high stress innings, right? I mean, I'm sure you've read about how they used to use their best bullpen guy, like back in the um, yeah. maybe like the pre-1950 days of the Goose Gossage guys like that. They called them like firemen, right? Because they would go in and, and put out a fire. The, uh, the uh, tremendous strategy of John Cohen in 2013. Is that was that what he employed to uh, get to the national championship Jonathan game? Holder would come in in the second inning. Right, you know? right. I, I'm not saying that that it's necessarily the best strategy. I'm saying. Last inning is more of a modern uh, invention, using closers only then. I mean, there are still closer-type situations where your second and third guy to the bullpen can get huge outs for you at important times in the game before the ninth inning. If if Wolfwood could do that and allow Caracy to just be a ninth inning guy, that would be huge for this team, but we'll see. Yeah. To me... I, my gut says the starting pitching continues to settle down and progressively improve. I think Rollison has his best games ahead of him. I agree. I mean, he's got he's got great stuff. The schedule is going to soften some after Vandy. I think it looks really good for him. I think Feigl's going to be up and down, but you, you'll have good days. You'll have bad. And, Arthur- and if Rollison can be consistently good, that's going to let Feigl have his good games, and then when he has his bad games, you'll be able to have more rested bullpen. Etheridge, guys like that can come in. Yeah. And then you, MacArthur's been pretty steady on Sunday, I think, overall. Yeah, I mean, he's still a Sunday guy, right? He's not going to be perfect every game, but he's, but he's better, good. A better than I thought he'd be. It's... Yeah, he's, he's, he's better than, like, a Sam Smith or something. Feigl go from a 50-50 guy to a two-out-of-three guy. And can Rollison become a – can Rollison be close to what we think he is? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I, I think the schedule is going to help him out some, so we'll see. Uh, and that's the other part of it, too. Is there, once they get – and I don't look at Georgia as a top – I look at Georgia as a good, not great team. Maybe we're just wrong. But, like I said, the second half – they got Alabama, Carolina, LSU, Auburn. Mm-hmm. That's not as stiff a competition as what they've, let's say, Arkansas. Well, I don't know. We'll see. It's probably it's probably more even than I'm thinking it is. It's more Tennessee-ish. I guess A&M, A&M will down spot. I don't know. It's not that uh, Yeah, getting, getting the series win – uh, over Arkansas and A&M, that was, that was huge for the resume. I think now you just got to focus on consistency. You can't let any one bad game kind of bring you down. I think they're kind of – they're definitely in the driver's seat. They just have to continue to perform. They, they have the building blocks of a great resume already under their belt. We're going to – we're going to know the next two weeks you – know, I said for national seed purposes, it's, it's key. I think it, 
after the Georgia series, we're going to have a good look at this and say, okay, they're either going to be, let's say if they go four and two the next two weekends, they're, what does that put them? 11 and seven. It's then a, okay, let's go win. Let's go win our last four series, get to 19 wins. We're right there as a national, the national seed picture. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's a, we went three and three. We have a good last four series. We host, maybe if we get really hot, we can be a seed. If you go two and four, you're sitting there at 500 with an opportunity to play your way into a seed, but you're probably in more in the 16, 17 category. You're probably, we'll see what they, and we'll see what they do. That I think that'll kind of getting past the Georgia series helps set the stage for the rest of the year. I think LSU's winnable, Alabama's winnable, Carolina's winnable. Auburn's got Mize, but I think I think Auburn and Oxford is very gettable. I mean, after on the road at Vanderbilt, every every series looks winnable, right? Yep. Yeah, so that's, that's it. Feels be like the story. Five hundred is the floor. It feels like with this team. Yeah, I mean, with this with the start they had, I think five hundred would almost be a disappointment. But like I said, we're coming off losing to the worst team in the league in Starkville, so we'll see. You know, yep. we'll we'll see how the next the next week or so plays out. Uh, but that's that's baseball. I'm really excited for next week, John. We're getting into your your offense breakdown, right? We're ready, almost, almost there. Yeah. I mean, offense is proving themselves. Whoa, 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 whoa! Save it, save it for next week. Come on, we've gone this long. You don't don't. Uh... We're, we're gonna spend as much time analyzing the bullpen as we are the offense. Yeah, because I mean, I think it, the, the whole the whole here. The whole bullet points on this team is balance, right? I mean, there was a stat that was on Twitter. The only team in the country that's top 25 in ERA, fielding uh, fielding percentage, and batting average. Um, so, I mean, I, I think balance is the key for this team. Obviously, the offense who, has to who do is it. That, is, it, is Ole Miss that team? Yeah, or? Ole Miss is the only team that's top 25 in those three statistical categories. Oh shit! Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I think um, you have to not make some of the fielding errors you made in state. They're still uh, at state. They're still on school record pace uh, defensively. I think nine seventy nine right now. Um, I think that's really key to helping your pitchers out. Um, obviously, we have to worry about the fatigue playing a role in the in the pitchers, but they still have a lot of depth. They still have a lot of talent. Um, and as long as the offense keeps showing up consistently, I mean, it is a dangerous lineup, top to bottom. Tyler Keenan. SEC freshman of the week, two weeks in a row. I mean, he's batting seventh, um, playing really good third base. Then you have guys like Cole Zabowski uh, scattered throughout there. Cockrell's in the eight hole, um, still with a high 300s average. Although, you know, he's 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 come down a little bit from his insane start, but he's still very powerful bat in the bottom of the lineup. A strong righty. Um, so I, I think they're balanced, and and that's going to be how they win games, how they put together a good resume and a good record. Just got to maintain that balance. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's that's the baseball team. Uh. You know, enjoying the season for sure. You, you don't have too many seasons that that start off this well. So don't don't lose sight of that. Um. I know we started with some football. Haven't talked much about basketball. Kermit Davis out there recruiting or whatever. I mean, I think it's the only real thing I have to say about basketball. Something I was thinking about earlier. You know, we talked you know, six months, a year ago, maybe maybe a year ago, back when. AK didn't get his contract extended. There was some tension. Uh, we talked about why why is AK so much less popular with the boosters, the Mississippi made crowd, than a guy like Freeze. 
Um, I, I think we kind of decided that a lot of it was that, that Free is willing to play ball, is willing to do the tweets and uh, you know slap the backs and grease the palms, all that stuff. Uh, but I got to say, it looks like Kermit Davis is willing to do that as well. He's sending out the, the positive tweets at every step and meeting with the Ole Miss ambassadors and you know running into Ole Miss people in the airport and all that kind of stuff. Basically, he's playing the booster game. Um, you know, and it's easy to, to dismiss that and laugh at that. Obviously, that's not going to translate directly to wins on the court. But at the same time, if him making those people happy leads to more, let's say, resources, wink, wink, being put towards basketball recruiting, uh, I think it could translate to success on the court. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see um, if a guy like Kermit Davis can come in, do some of the things that AK maybe wasn't as willing or as interested in doing and, and see if that makes the program better. It's going to be interesting. I have no real reason why I think this way, but I'm generally leaning more bullish on Kermit Davis from an on the field perspective. He's off to a good start. Yeah. I, all that said, Cyril Smith, I think committed to Maryland earlier today. Um, he was an AK recruit that backed off old miss. I don't care. I don't, care about any of that i think i think kermit well it's newsworthy i just have to note it kermit's gotten enough guy a couple guys already that he can he's shown he can go recruit with a solid level mm-hmm. and he's doing all the little things with booster relations that got ak on the wrong side of the fence they'll get him on the, on so the that's better. what i'm saying i think we made fun of the boosters for caring about that back here in ak but now the more i think about it the more maybe it really could have a tangible impact on on his program we're gonna find out I mean, the the good old boy boosters are quirky. They 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 care about access as much or more as access and feeling the love as much or more as winning. Which and they they want yeah they want you to to rub them Luke, the right way. Luke, Luke and Davis have appear to have be are striking a good balance between playing the game and running their programs. I will say that they freeze was too much. I like being the star. Too much of the perception, program. too much ego. Yeah, less he, about running the program. AK was too gruff. Well, he, here with AK, you know, it's funny with AK. I think AK's kind of standoffish, gruff side was beneficial to him his first five or six years because mm-hmm. he, he needed almost a bullish, defiant attitude to achieve anything. Playing in the tad pad, picking up the mess from picking up the the um, mess from the previous era uh-huh. and he got he got everybody close to the turn he got close to the turn which was overachieving but then he never quite got over the hump and everybody got tired of that right um marshall henderson comes along they get to the tournament uh-huh. they get to the tournament with moody and then they really weren't able then they build the building where they were quite to duplicate it right and ak i mean it's funny ak was he he was starting to finally be able to recruit at a higher level with the pavilion and the whole contract thing happened and he he panicked to uh, make coaching changes, bring in Bruce Ste- make sure he got Bruce Stevens and everything. Mm-hmm. That was that was that and was he a, lost Armstrong, all that, yeah. That was a weird situation. Looking back, it was more it it was the majority of it's Vitter's fault, but it wasn't all Vitter's fault if they even make sense. Yeah, and I mean like you said, if Kermit turns out to be good for Ole Miss on the court. I mean, who's gonna? There's no point in crying over AK, right? If he if he's more successful than AK, then in the end, the school wins and it's successful. You know, it's, it can't be about 
not hurting feelings and taking care of the people that you like on a personal level when you're trying to win. And and that's not to say that we think the administration is competent or actually knows what they're doing to try to win. I mean, basically, I they might fall ass backwards into it. We'll see. This is going to sound stupid, but I think Kermit being a state grad lets him coach basketball better because – he can then go approach and handle the booster strictly as a, I need I, this. I need to work a relationship with it. You know, it's just the equivalent of a CEO having to keep a good it's relationship. Less, it's less emotional. Him being from state it's, makes it less of an emotional the, choice. It's part of the ordeal. It's I, more no, business. Football, I don't think a fo- the football coach can be a state grant. I just don't think that works. But mm-hmm. basketball, you can do it. Yeah, but, we're going to find out. And, and Bianco is a little – I think Bianco – Bianco's just built a steady program that's consistent, and I don't really know how good or bad his he he is with boosters. I think he's I don't know how much it matters in baseball. Uh, I think he's probably third on the list of those guys, but I think it matters less in baseball. They have a nice. Yeah, I mean, baseball boosters are their own thing, right? I mean, they're baseball people. They're they're well, weird. Well, so he keeps enough of them happy, and they have left field. They can go barbecue. They I think I think baseball boosters are happy with consistency because they're baseball people. Like we were talking about earlier in the show, baseball is all about consistency. Is it's about you know coming bouncing back after a loss, and Bianco teams are are good at being consistent. So the other thing is base baseball fits all this culture. Yeah. The mm-hmm. you just have to have a steady team. And the rest of it takes care of itself. Or I football. mean, we're we're in maybe the definitely the most rabid college baseball state in the country. There's baseball is popular here, uh, where it's not as much other places. That definitely helps them as well. Well, if it's the pay, like you want to have, it's a social event as much as it is. Right. I go root for the team, and baseball allows you to take the social aspect into the stadium. Right. With the- Right, it's that you bring the grove to right field or whatever, as far as the student perspective goes. Pretty much. Um, so the last thing I want to talk about is uh, this whole media fracas that is the Shea Patterson eligibility at Michigan. Basically, the story is being framed by national guys like Dennis Dodd and our good friend Dan Wolken uh, as Ole Miss going out of their way to hurt Shea Patterson because he left Ole Miss. Um, the gist of the story is. Part of his appeal to the NCAA, written by Tom Mars, uh, paints a narrative picture of what he experienced. There's a recruited old Miss. Basically, says he was misled. It, it's these these documents aren't public, so we don't really know what they say. But basically, it says uh, old Miss coaches acted egregiously. I think that's a verb or a adverb that's used in the uh, the official wording of the NCAA rule. Uh, basically, he was just treated really badly, and that's why he should be immediately eligible to play. Old Miss refuses to sign off on that because they don't agree with his characterization of the events. Uh, which seems fair considering one of the old Miss coaches at the time was his own brother. You know, how, how egregiously was he treated by his own brother? I don't know. Um, but they're not technically trying to block Shea Patterson from playing. I don't think they really care all that much. If Patterson plays at Michigan next year, we're not going to play Michigan next year um, unless we meet in Shreveport or something like that after a really disappointing year for uh, for Harbaugh uh, and after a, a bowl ban would have to be appealed. So it's very, very unlikely that we're ever going to play Shea Patterson. Um, I just think that it makes perfect sense if you're Ole Miss and you're trying to win that appeal and you're trying to claw back uh, at be, the way you've been characterized to not sign off on a document that, that agrees with that characterization of it. Of course, it's being painted in the media, like I said, as Ole Miss is being mean and they won't own up to their crimes, I think was what Wolken said. Um, I just thought we'd be remiss if we didn't touch on that and just kind of reiterate that the national sports guys – 
I think number one, first and foremost, is just laziness. When you got somebody like Tom Mars that's basically going to write your story for you, send it all prepackaged to you, and if you're damn woke in it, it, it fits. It checks all your boxes of who you like and who you don't like and who you want to criticize. It's too easy for them not to run that story. Um, I guess maybe that drives clicks, that the narrative of uh, a score in school that's still trying to fight back and lash out at its former players. I don't really know. It's the, it's the off season, right? They want to generate traffic. Overall, though, I just think it's a stupid story, um, and I, I don't I I don't blame Shay necessarily. I mean, he's just doing what his his lawyer Tom Mars says he should do, right? And trying to get on the field at Michigan, whatever. Uh, but I definitely don't blame Ole Miss. Um, as far as the whole PR side of it is, Ole Miss shooting themselves in the foot. For once, I'm not so sure that they are. I, I think Ole Miss's position here makes sense. I don't know. What do you think about the story, John? I really don't care. I, I don't. I, I'm I'm beyond personally getting mad or annoyed at Walken or even Bruce Feldman's gotten stupid these days, and all these national guys thinking that their opinion matters, um, their stance towards the whole FBI college basketball ordeal is. I mean, most people are tuned off by that. Look at the ratings decline for the NCAA tournament this year. Mm-hmm. I mean. People, it's interesting. Boxing, seeing ratings go up. Yes, we're, that's all. We're not going to talk anymore about boxing. This week. <laughs> there we go. I'm sitting here watching an April Red Sox Yankee game. There you go. That's I'm. My time is more. I'm more interested in that. And yeah. I'll, I'll I'll probably start following along in the NHL playoffs here a bit going forward. That has more interest to me than anything spring football related. Um, the yeah, NFL, I mean, spring football in general is just garbage. Honestly, and there's a pivot. I think there's a pivot away from football in general. A lot of sense between the NFL mm-hmm. and um, see if college. see if college continues to maintain. It probably will. Because college, college, college football is kind of like the MLB. It's very tribal. It's it's very much about your geography, your alma mater, your loyalty has lasted for decades. I would think MLB is going to have a good year because you got. Red Sox, Yankees both have ninety plus win teams. The Cubs are Cubs are back with Madden well, for the last five years. This and part of it's me living up here. Like the Red, the Red Sox in New England's the best fit. Mm-hmm. So and, Red, and good Red Sox Yankees is really entertaining. What is your what's your does does really good Red Sox Yankees appeal to you at all? It, it, it appeals to me because I like the the guys that the Yankees have. Um, I like a lot of Red Sox players. David Price. Um, went to Vanderbilt, and then obviously some, they got some some good young talent. Hey, uh, Price, fucking trash. He didn't even get out of the first inning tonight. Chill, he bro. He's not trash. He's David Price. I mean, they oh, the Red Sox. Gary so, Sanchez has bomb. Why don't you Why don't you calm down? The Red Sox still have an insane rotation, right? You'll admit that. Ooh. They have sale. Sale is fantastic. They have sale, and they have freaking. Uh, I, it, Price and Porcello pitch what they're capable of. No, there's so, they have then someone it, else. They have someone really else. Good. They have someone else that's really good. Who am I forgetting? Hold Pomerantz on. is solid. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Not really great. Pomerantz is solid, but that's a that's a sick rotation. I mean, if Porcello and Price pitch to close to their Cy Young levels, or did Price win a Cy Young? I don't remember. He's, I think he did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they. That's filthy. Exactly. Um, so that but, appeals to me, and then obviously the young Yankees core appeals to me. You know, Gary Sanchez, and I, I love Giancarlo. I know he started out in kind of a slump, but I love watching him bat. Pull in the triangle tonight. Yeah, 
Um, so that, that appeals to me. I think there's a lot of Yankees fans down south, more than you would expect. There's a lot of Cubs fans here. Um, I see Cubs fans uh, around Jackson all the time. Yankees gotten more likable nationally because they've built they've, – interestingly enough, all of these young up-and-coming – a lot of the – most of these young Yankees came through their system. Right, it's different than the Yankees teams of <laughs> well, the past Judge 20 years. Judge came through their system. Gardner is a tenured Yankee. Mm-hmm. Sanchez came through their system. They traded for Stanton, but – Hell, I mean, fine. But that's um, fun to take a good young core and throw in a perennial all-star. Like, that's a fun, ma- that's a fun matchup. Mashup. They traded for Gregorius, but he was a young guy that came up from Arizona and really has morphed. And the, He's been a Yankee for a long time. Eh, no, he's only been a Yankee since Jeter retired. So that was, what, 14 was his first season in? Wow, it seems like he's been there longer than that. Um, no, what's I think Gregorius, like, he, okay, they traded for him, but he – He's a young kid that came in, replaces Jeter, and he's formed his own identity. And he's not trying to be Jeter, but he's a very good player. And really, I think people, it's it's you got to respect the guy, and he handles himself. And he came in, and and he's filled Jeter's shoes pretty damn well. As, but yeah, as I think as, it looks like 2015. As well as anybody could hope to. Yeah. Severino came up through there. I mean, they've got a lot of like I said, a lot of guys that have come up through there. Yeah, they acquired him in December 2014. So, yeah, it seems like longer than that. It seems like he's been a Yankee for a long time to me, but I didn't start following the Yankees until fairly recently. Um, I think, I mean, there's more than that, too, to the MLB this year. Obviously, the Dodgers are the Dodgers, but then you throw in freaking Shohei Otani, man. Like, that's one of the most exciting things that's happened to baseball in a long time. Um, He can pitch. He can hit. Next, Babe Ruth. I'm excited about watching him. Um, Yeah, I think MLB is in a good spot for sure. Uh, Cubs, but, you got Cubs, Yankees, Red Sox with all 90-win team, and Dodgers. Mm-hmm. And the Astros are really good again. The yeah, Astros are great. They were really fun to watch last season. And these teams are all kind of spread out through population centers where they have big regional fan bases. Um, and, but my point with the college football thing was I, I think it's super strong regional affiliations. It's probably even stronger for college football um, where I think that viewership for NFL could drop way off and you would still have – uh, very loyal fan bases that can support big college programs just because that's the nature of it. You know, you have this four-year connection where you attended these schools um, or you've been going to these games for yeah. 50 years in some people's cases. So I think college football will be okay. I think other sports maybe we'll see. College basketball, I think you make a good point. I'm not sure what the future holds there. Probably need some rule changes, um, better well, officiating. football, you're rooting for your school. You kind of – that, it's more of that versus the NFL. You're watching for a quality product, and the product's that crappier. Mm-hmm. In addition to all the crap surrounding it, well, I think it's funny. Football is funny because it, it's it's getting or NFL is funny because it, it's getting opposition from both ends of the spectrum, right? I mean, you have yeah. people on the left that are opposed to CTE. They're opposed to the way yeah. players like Kaepernick <laughs> are treated. Are offended, and then the right. Then you have people on the right that are offended the by the people that are offended. offended basically, it's like, a catch. What you know? Yeah. So it's really they're they're really kind of playing a dangerous game there. I still think they'll they'll be fine in the long run. Maybe not the long run. They'll be fine in the medium run. In the long run, I wonder about the future of football as more and more parents keep their kids from playing due to CTE. We'll see. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be interesting. I, I think there is a chance that technology is going to significantly uh, decrease the danger of football. We'll see. We need much better helmets. We need uh, you know, different techniques that are less risky for, for some of these guys tackling. How the hell is technology going to substantially improve football? Helmets? I, I, I literally just said it. A, C, a CTE solution? They're not making a helmet good enough to fix that. 
I mean, like that's that. How could why? How could you assume that? The I mean, part of the problem is hard helmet on hard helmet, right? I mean, maybe a, maybe a softer helmet is going to lessen the blow on They're both ways. Not making a helmet that's going to fully address CTE. I'm telling you right now. I mean, okay, that's that's great, John. I mean, the thing about technology is that it's speculative. I mean, I think you understand that. Are we going to put like a hot, like a a head and neck restraint device on here? I have no idea. My whole point was, I think football is fucked if they don't solve the CTE problem. So either they solve it or it's over. Those are pretty much the two things I see happening. The helmet's softer, but then the neck's going to start taking the take. There's the other. Is the next spot. Well, we're going to see, John. It's a binary. I I, I think CTE is, they, they is not sustainable. Run, they would have to go to some kind of head and neck restraint device, which is what every motorsports driver wears these days. Since a, damn, who hit that? We have a Sox Grand Slam in the bottom of the fifth to make it 8-6. So an ass kicking is game. now. This is interesting. J.D. Martinez. Let's see who that is former Detroit Tiger. They mm-hmm. blew that team up. So this is interesting. So anyway, head and neck restraint device. So here, quick, uh, this, well, wow. I didn't think we'd talk about this. Well, I'm no we... expert on the technology. I'm just saying, I think between, those are the options. Between, real quick, between Dale Earnhardt, uh, Adam Petty, which is Richard Petty's grandson, and uh, who, shit, Kenny, uh, Kenny Urban, Kenny Irvin had three guys die within 18 months from neck injuries, from crashes. And they mandated everybody started wearing Hans, head and neck restraint devices. Um, and then all Formula One drivers, et cetera, wear it. They've had a remarkable success improving the safety track record for, for motorsports and whatnot. But I guess you'd have football players wear something to that effect, except Maybe. that the one – the one thing that a Hans device would not address is that would address is like if you have a Ryan Shazier type deal where you tackle head first mm-hmm. and it compresses your neck. There's nothing of Hans devices unless you would. Modify yeah, I mean, it. I think you would have to make rules in that regard. I mean, I think you would have to outlaw certain types of tackles if you wanted to get <laughs> serious about that. Which, how do you really outlaw? at the end of the day. I mean, you can penalize. I, yeah, I mean, I think I think then you get back to what you were saying about the product getting worse, right? I mean, is there a, a sweet spot? I don't know. I, I just I, think I think football, as you squeeze out more and more kids at the lower level, it's it's going to decline in popularity because I, I, I think people like sports partially that they played when they were younger. I mean, you get invested in a sport. I think sports like soccer, uh, baseball is significantly safer and basketball, uh, which is really basketball, regardless of what you want to say about the college game, the NBA is doing well. NBA is super popular with kids. It's super popular in population centers. Um, it's profitable. So I, I see all of those sports right now seem to have a clearer path towards future success in the NFL. We're, we'll see. I think changes will have to happen. Shit, curling may be the may be the center of the universe. Yeah, well, every four years, the Winter Olympics, people I'll are like, "Oh, I love curling." The Olympic Channel is like showing like live World Championship curling every night. I am amazed at how easy it is to go find curling on TV. What do you? What do you I'm amazed that the Olympic Channel operates more often than every two years. I don't know because ESPN is 8:49 on Comcast. The Olympic Channel is 8:46. Oh so God, that's really funny. I'm telling you, like, right? I'm just looking at right now. The 2018 Ford Women's World Curling Championship is on. Is is a replay, and then they got. I mean, 
Maybe it's just the Comcast channel lineup, but it's like it's right there and like three stops just, from ESPN. This is really funny. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't see curling necessarily actually becoming mainstream. I think it's funny to joke about watching it for most people every four years, but that's about the extent of it. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, I think it would be cool if curling was like more accessible to play because it looks like a sport that an amateur could actually have fun playing. You know, it's, it's kind of like shuffleboard. Ole Miss like was that. like in, in like if Ole Miss was like I don't know. I guess the University of Minnesota was like an Ole Miss type school from a party standpoint. I mean, that to me would be an the easy fun sport to attract guys to come watch. Yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, indoor volleyball is fun to watch at Ole Miss, from what I've heard. I've seen some games on TV. I lo- I love indoor volleyball. I think there are definitely neat sports that can be really fun to, to watch in person or even stream. Um, we'll see. Um, all right, folks. Uh, that's the show. Thank you for listening. John, you got anything else you want to you wanna share this week before we sign off? Good to go. All right, guys. Well, like I said, thanks for listening. It was, uh, it was a really fun show. We'll be back next week. Continue to talk about this baseball team. Don't forget we got John's big offensive breakdown coming up. You know, we've hyped it so much right now. I think it started as an offhand comment that you, you were right. You were right to say, you know, it's hard to analyze a baseball offense too early in the season. So, um, still, we'll, we'll talk about it next week, all that. We'll keep following football recruiting, all of that. Um, you know, Kermit Davis's charm offensive, all these, these ongoing stories in, uh, in our universe. Um, but for now, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, thank you, John, and we'll talk to you again next week, guys. I like blue. Like blue. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah.